Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, welcome to episode 20 of the Convo podcast entitled Teaching and Learning in Lockdown. Um, of course, lockdown itself needs no introduction, but uh, tonight's discussion is a live discussion on some of the concerns, some of the frustrations that we all know and we've all been experiencing of late. Teachers the state over are trying to engage with their students from behind a computer screen. Um, um, you know, students from kindergarten are trying to increase their very probably unhealthily increase their screen time from half an hour up to six hours a day. Um, year 12 students have their trials thrown into the mix, questioned, postponed, um, run remotely online. And then, of course, parents have had to transform themselves into formal educators overnight. All of these problems themselves are our problems that we've been experiencing on a daily basis, and they, they themselves need no introduction. But on this episode, inshallah, we will try and channel some of those frustrations into a productive conversation, um, gleaning the engaging the opinions of um, our wonderful guests for tonight, a teacher parent, an educational leader and a year 12 student to try and have that conversation about what it's been like uh, and some some tips along the way of teaching and learning in lockdown. Stay with us. Uh, the viewers and listeners, um, and thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Um, we might start off, um, of course, by introducing our esteemed guests for tonight. Um, we were just having a chat before we got started about how thankful and grateful we are that we can have uh, such a wonderful panel of guests for tonight. So let's, uh, without any further ado, let's get straight into introducing our guests for tonight. Hamza, did you want to take us off? Take us away. Um, well, perhaps they can introduce themselves, but I can mention who they are. Um, so we've got Brother Abdul Karim Zahra. Um, Abdul, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and uh, specifically what you do within education? Um, yeah, assalamu alaikum. Um, thank you for inviting me tonight. Um, so I'm a Deputy Principal Instructional Leader. Um, this is my first year in that role, but prior to this, I've been a classroom teacher and a stage supervisor, assistant principal. Um, yeah, and I've been in the field for about uh, eight years now. So looking forward to this conversation. And um, it will be, and, and as we discussed prior to the start of the session, it, we want to keep it real and have a natural conversation. So that's what we're here to do. Jazakallah um, And we've also got uh, Sister Shahad Barashid. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. I hope I am. Um, and uh, please introduce yourself as well. Yes, assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. My name is Shahad Barashid, and I'll be the one who's voicing the concerns and the struggles of Year 12 student during online learning. Um, I'm currently enrolled in the University of Sydney's foundation program. So for those who've never heard of a foundation program, it's, um, it's geared towards international students. And it's kind of like a transitional program, similar to the IB diploma, oh, yeah. where we take courses similar to the HSC, but it's kind of fast-tracked. Um, and yeah, it, um, as Mr. Bader said, it is a joint struggle, which needs a joint effort to reach some solutions. Inshallah. And uh, we've also got with us Sister Aisha Dogramasi. I think I pronounced that correct. I hope I did. Um, um, but please, a bit about yourself as well. No? You know, no. Okay. Fantastic. Close. That's all right. It's a Dogramasi. It's got a bit of, um, you know, those who watch Ochoa probably, I don't know if there's any anyone in the audience. Yeah. Will know that. I never had a chance with that name, did I? <laughs> yeah, no, no. So it's got a, a few silent letters in there. But, um, yeah, I'm currently actually working at a, a government high school uh, and I'm part of a COVID learning support program. Prior to that, I worked at an independent school um, 
a faith-based school and I was there for two years as a learning support coordinator. So I had experience um, previously working with COVID with a private school and and this year I've had the opportunity to work uh, in a public government school and to see how differently things are run. So yeah, I'm looking forward to sharing those experiences and having a chat today. And uh, we're certainly looking forward to hearing them, um, especially because you you seem to have experience across both the private and public sector. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see how that pans out in the discussion as well, inshallah. Uh, We might just start with, um, for no particular reason, uh, to be honest, if I was to bed bed it down to one reason, it would be that, you know, in the modern, the way that education has been set up in the modern day, um, we always talk about, and you know, teachers would know this, Shahad, you'd know this as well. Um, we talk about having a student-centric approach, uh, approach that, you know, students are at the centre of the learning. So though everyone has a lot to, um, you know, I'm trying to say this in the nicest possible way, I don't want to say whine about, but um, everyone has a lot to... to constructively contribute. <laughs> constructively <laughs> contribute. And like express in terms of their grievances of whatever they're experiencing. I think... The education system does put you as the student um, at the centre of all of this. So I might start with you and just ask you what kind of challenges have you personally been experiencing, you and your circle of friends uh, in Year 12, um, and just give us a little um, um, snapshot of that, if you will. Yeah, sure, no problem. So um, as you said, you really need to have a student-centred approach, and it's tough to deliver that type of learning when you can't even see your students. So I'd say the biggest challenge for me would be engagement. So during the class, you can't have that free flow of discussion like as we are having now. Um, Zoom's always awkward. You want to unmute. You feel like you're barging into the combo. And so one thing I'd say is it's been a challenge to have that type of engagement. Can I ask you if this one is um, awkward for you as well? No, no, no. It's just usually when you're in a breakout room. I also have to point out that you said barging into the convo. That is literally (laughs) what you're doing today. (laughs) But all of us are. I mean, it's true. No, can, can I say, honestly, I completely agree with you in the sense that it's a very different, like, you know, having classes and having your teachers invite you onto Zoom calls, not like a podcast, obviously. It's a very different scenario. It's a very different framework and, and set up and stuff. So let us not barge in, but can I just get you to finish off what you're saying? So sorry to interrupt. That's all right. No, but it's really hard to have that level of engagement when, you know, your camera's off, your mic is muted, students are half asleep, and it's not the teacher's fault. I truly commend all of you guys, parents, teachers. Um, It's hard. It's hard to deliver that type of learning when you really can't. Um, One thing that my program does is attendance is marked through your video and sometimes participation. So rather than assigning tasks to be submitted before 11.59, this isn't a personal attack. I know a lot of um, high schools do that, but we get marked, our attendance is marked based on participation and based on your engagement during the class. So I'd say that's even a solution um, moving forward to have, to force engagement and like slowly it will just become a habit. So let me ask, um, with your particular program that you're doing, um, how does that match up with HSE? Because nowadays there's a lot of concerns with regards to HSE exams, formal assessments, all that kind of thing. Do you have any kind of issues with examinations and assessments and things with this whole lockdown situation? Um, So I've actually had a round of assessments, my final exam last semester. And so what we use is kind of like an educational platform like Moodle. We use something called study group, similar to Canvas. And we had our examinations through an invigilation software. So we all downloaded it. And prior to that, we even had digital literacy courses. They were compulsory just to kind of teach us how to navigate through the online learning, um, you know, program. And so the invigilation software, it records your screen, your audio and your video and they will go through each student's um, recording and to help minimize cheating obviously and as much as it was quite annoying you know you always have um, background noises going on it's hard to take an examination when you're at your house you're you know not in your um, classroom environment but yeah it's it's been quite well I'm I don't know if it's a popular opinion but I'm in favor of um, online learning I really love it I feel like it kind of helps you have your own independent study schedule. But uh, I don't know about you guys as teachers. Like, what's your perspective on teaching online? Are you uh, maybe we can ask Sister Aisha, considering uh, you're in that dual position as uh, both parent and teacher. So maybe first we can ask the teacher 
side of you, and mm-hmm. then we can ask the parent side of you. Yeah, well, um, yeah, they both go hand in hand, actually, because, and yeah, I agree, like with online learning, there's positives and negatives that come out of that. And obviously, the sort of the older students who are in high school, especially year 12, um, bridging onto university, um, a lot of things are going online anyway. So they're more used to the technology, um, having used that a lot, and it's, it's a lot easier for them to get their work done. But as a parent, and if I can go back to sort of last year's COVID, situation how uh, not last year the year before how that ran through for me I, I mean I know that most parents actually struggled to educate their children um, even you know even at home trying to get homework done let alone having to now adjust and adapt to COVID and I know that you know they're not educators they know how to, they don't know how to teach their kids but even for me as a teacher and I had three young children primary age school children at home I even struggled to teach them and I'm a teacher myself um, you know, I faced issues where, and I heard about parents coming from non-English speaking backgrounds or parents who had, you know, cultural things or multiple children at home. Um, also, you know, recently now that child care uh, centers are closed. So even if they have multiple young children, everyone has to be at home now. So um, a lot of the younger children I feel in primary school don't really know, aren't really adapted to the technology and know how to use that. And even some of the parents don't know. It's hard to navigate your way around. Um, Later on, when we can get into discussion, we'll go a little bit deeper into this. But as a teacher, um, in terms of this year's COVID and working in a a government school, um, as part of the COVID intensive learning support program, we're not actually focusing too much on the online learning aspect as much as we're going into the mental health of students. Um, So that's something that the program in itself has identified based on COVID in 2019. Um, And we can go into that a little bit later on when we talk about it. Um, But that's my perspective. Okay. I uh, I just want to share something real quick. Hamza knows I'm big on using my share screen um, to his... They sometimes go wrong, so... Everyone just hold I on just, to your seats and hope this does right. Share, I just want to share this WhatsApp message. I think I've tried and failed to wipe out some names, but let's just pretend we can't see them. I'm just gonna wipe another couple. I'm just gonna wipe another couple out live on on, on air. Um, so I, I wanted to show you um, this comment here um, and just read it out to you guys as well. Okay, so it says here stacks of paperwork with a set expectation to be achieved. Basically, and they're talking about parents here. Basically, parents are thrown at the deep end without any guidelines. We don't have the experience to teach. Lockdown is already tough as it is. And on top, there's this additional duty. Just trying to manage one child is hard, let alone having three or four. Okay, so it kind of, I kind of, it, you know, that comment really resonated with me um, in the sense that there are, you know, the, when you're out there and you've got, as a parent, three or four children, They've got the realities and the struggles of lockdown, which itself is quite challenging. And then on top of it, to have to become this formal educator overnight. I think a lot of people in the community are really feeling that. And not, not just that, like you've, you've got to realise and remember that those parents are also at work at home. So they're juggling their own full-time online role now with now being an educator as well. Um, let's ask Abdul here. Um, how do you guys, so coming from the perspective of someone who's more involved in the management of these kinds of things, what kind of approach have you and your institution taken to these online challenges? And have you guys been able to address sort of these real concerns that parents have? Yeah, look, uh, good question. Um, I just want to clarify that anything I say obviously represents my views. Um, I come from a primary background, so a primary school environment. Um, so one of the big challenges there, and I know Aisha mentioned it earlier, um, is that uh, parents obviously aren't teachers. And in the primary school, uh, during the primary school years, um, there's a lot of explicit instruction that's required. Um, so, and on top of that, there's that immediate and effective feedback that needs to be given to students. Um, in order for there to be successful learning taking place. So we know as a leader and as a teacher, um, and now, especially after the last lockdown, parents know this as well, nothing's going to replace, especially in the primary school years, because I know Shahad mentioned 
you know, she prefers and loves the online learning. Um, but in the primary years, nothing's going to replace that face-to-face -face learning. Um, you know, and I know there was mention of, uh, you know, there's six hours worth of learning. It's not the case, obviously, in a primary school. Um, we do have our breaks, our interruptions, assemblies and whatnot. But when there is teaching and learning taking place, it's quality, it's quality teaching that requires that explicit instruction. Um, it, there's a lot of, you know, as the teacher, there's a lot of I do, I show the students how to do things, then we do it together. Um, then they do it with a bit of the, the teacher's help. And then it's pushed out to the students doing it on their own. Um, obviously, when you're talking about home learning or learning from home, all that is, is, is pushed aside and we don't expect, uh, no one expects parents to do that. So I guess to answer your question, Hamza, the approach is really one from a wellbeing point of view that is really reassuring the parents that our, our priority is, you know, our students' wellbeing and their families. Um, and then it's, we'll simplify the work as much as we can, provide you with the support that we can, um, and just know that let your child do their best, you do your best, but don't stress to, you know, try and get through everything. Nothing is, you know, compulsory for you to do. Um, we're here for you to, we're here to support you. So that's sort of the approach that I can confidently say so, that a lot of schools that I know um, are taking sort of thing. So let me just, sorry, quickly a follow-up question. Um, on average, with the students at your institution, how long do you think especially being a primary school institution, um, would they be spending in front of a screen? Because that's a big concern that a lot of parents have. Yeah, look, so it, obviously it varies from, from school to school and then household to household. Um, I can tell you it's obviously we've had several weeks of um, home learning and today I spent an hour and a half trying to assist a parent with getting their child um, set up online for the first time in several weeks. So you have a you know, uh, packs available, you know, that they can do um, on a book, pencil, uh, with a paper and a pen, um, and then that option to be to be online. Also, um, different schools, different classrooms set up differently where they may try and replicate or or provide some, some explicit lessons um, that are pre-recorded. Um, but like I said, that's not going to replace that face-to-face -face learning where the teacher yeah. can stop. I, yeah, I, I might I might try to bring you in here, Shahad. Um, so there's the theory of it, and obviously your experience is very different to what Abdul's been talking about. He's working at a public school, um, but from because I we had a chat about this before we went live that you know you wanted to voice your concerns, but also those of your immediate circle of friends and so forth. Can I get you to maybe share some thoughts on that end? Like there's the theory of it, but, you know, there are still a lot of um, grievances of what might not be taking place or what things could be bettered and stuff. Where's that concern at in terms of your circle of friends, mostly year 11 and 12 senior students in the school scene? Yeah, so the, the biggest concern right now is trials and what's going to happen with that. Obviously, we don't know the outcome. It's a very unpredictable um, uh, circumstance right now, but... One thing is we still don't know how fair the HSC will be and the outcome, given that the HSC is kind of our one shot to uni or uni entry. Um, and so it's just been overwhelming. I've been hearing from my friends, they barely have time to study for trials because they're still catching up on class homework to um, account for their attendance. And it's just, even just waking up five minutes before your exam, I mean, five minutes before your class, rushing to your Zoom, just that rapid switch. Like sometimes it feels like I have to jumpstart my brain just to go from sleeping to quickly um, focusing and studying class. So, yeah, that's been a huge um, concern. But one thing that I would want to say is that as like we're focusing on our experience and how we're spending too much time online and, you know, as Mr. Krejci mentioned, screen time. But one thing that I don't hear often or it's not really talked about is people who don't have access to devices or a stable internet connection and how are they going to be, you know, just, um, they're at a disadvantage and how are they going to be able to participate in the trials or even just online learning in general. So do you guys have any comments or 
Yeah, I've got some, actually, I've got some points about that, which I experienced. Um, one thing that I experienced in the last lockdown as well was that we were actually given notice um, by the government that we knew that lockdown was going to happen. So schools had enough time and parents had a little bit of time to sort of prepare and organize devices if they needed to from certain schools. Um, and then this year we had sort of a lockdown over just the two week holiday period yeah. and everybody expected to return, you know, day one. And then we heard it was another two weeks. So there was a little bit of uncertainty. And I think a lot of parents thought that, okay, it's just another two weeks, we'll probably go back. But now that it got extended till sort of the end of August, um, there was a delay in trying to get people online and get them sort of motivated to start start learning. Um, on top of that as well, I noticed with my children when uh, last lockdown happened, I never liked them to go on devices at all. So they were used to, you know, maybe say 20 minutes a day or something. And then all of a sudden I had to borrow all these iPads and my children were stuck on that, you know, sort of like every period for half an hour or so forth trying to do their work. And um, like Shahad said, even though uh, I had, you know, four devices at home that we were using, but then our internet couldn't cope with it. And then another, like there was signal problems. So we all had to be kind of like in the same room near near the signal and we couldn't all be online at the same time. So we had to sort of, you know, make sacrifices that way. And especially with my younger two children, I noticed change in their behavior actually for being online that long. Um, They became cranky. And another thing with that is, you know, I sympathize with primary school teachers, especially where, or even high school, they have classes of, say, 20 to 30 students, and then they have to sort of get them all online on Zoom at the same time. And there's kids, you know, trying to put their hands up, answering questions, and they don't get a chance to talk. And I saw kids getting frustrated. Um, They'd lose motivation because they couldn't interact. And it just became really hard for them, and they ended up giving up. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it takes um, uh, it takes an experience or two like that over a sustained period of time to actually then just become disenchanted with the whole process yeah. and sort of just, you know, just say, all right, it's not for me, you know. Um, so I think that's part of why even theoretically, like it's always meant to be well padded in terms of that support structure and that support program and so forth. Mm. Um, um, sorry, if I could just mention, um, I, I want to quickly go back to, um, what was being mentioned, Sophia, and you opened by talking about being student-centric, and um, obviously that's critical with anything to do with education, but I'm just going to mention a comment here. Um, so we've got a comment on our uh, Facebook stream by a uh, Joseph Baker, and his comment reads, I'm a teacher and I'm still making lessons right now that I have to post for my students tomorrow. It's become a 24-hour job supporting and troubleshooting all day, planning and recording all night. When will this end? So obviously, um, you know, our uh, dear listener, viewer, uh, Mr. Baker, um, is clearly frustrated. Now, perhaps, um, Abdul, what about you? You work with teachers, right? So part of your uh, role is an instructional leader, I believe. Um, So what about the teachers that you manage and that are part of your team? How have they been dealing with this? Yeah, look, um, I think a lot of people share that gentleman's um, frustration um, and just keeping in mind that the first lockdown we had was probably a a, a bit of a learning curve for everyone. Um, They got to experience what they did. It was new for everyone. Um, It's, you know, it's something that you can't control. It's a unique circumstance that you can't really plan for. Um, with that in mind, this lockdown, um, I can't comment on on his school or where he works, um, but I know lots of teachers um, that'll that'll talk about how their approach has changed. The you know last lockdown, you know halfway through, they were looking at trying to replicate um, what takes place in the classroom. They you know you quickly work out that that's not going to happen. So it's looking at what what's a priority right now, you know, and, and a priority is the students' well-being as well as staff. So the, you know, classroom teachers, their well-being. So sitting up and planning all night um, to deliver the following day 
Um, you know, it's sort of looking at is that, you know, is that something that's going to be um, good for, for, you know, the teacher and how, what's, you know, for the, for the amount of input you put in, what's the output? Like how many students are going to be engaging in that learning? What, you know, what's the percentage that, you know, of students that are going to be jumping online with you to do that? And I go back to, um, I think maybe Aisha mentioned it about the whole um, Zoom classes with 20, 30 students. Yeah, that was something that teachers quickly worked out. Like, you know what? You can't have a Zoom session where you have 20, 30 kids sitting there and you're trying to teach them. Hence why a lot of schools have gone towards let's pre-record and then have used Zoom sessions for sort of a bit of a catch-up, a well-being check-in, um, to check in on the students, Um answer any questions but to try and teach live online yeah it is it is very very difficult think, um, and my my advice like, to that yeah, gentleman is you know looking at you know possibly is there is there a need to sort of plan so much um you know, for for what he's trying to get across, I don't know. Like it's it's a bit difficult based on his comment to yeah. give that advice, sort of thing. But I, you know, from, in my opinion, I'm not sure it's worth staying up all night to plan to to teach something or to to you know provide something online the following day. I'm just not sure, and I don't I don't think any leader. Um, you know, expects that, you know, a lot of, a lot of the push has been, you know, staff well-being, student well-being. We need to make sure we're looking after ourselves, looking after the families of our students. So, yeah. You know, I was going to say that I think a theme that's emerging is that, Abdul, we might need you as a mobile service just to go around to the other <laughs> senior management. <laughs> now, on, on a serious note, you know, when you say that, well-being is our main priority now obviously well-being is always a priority but i like what you're saying in the sense that like normally it's kind of like on equal footing like when you when, when situation's normal you've got your well-being but then you've got your sort of you know your intellectual academic milestones that you want to meet and you kind of need to let them let that standard just fall a little bit and give priority to the well-being i think that's a fantastic like approach to take from a management perspective um it's critical because without well-being, like if well-being drops off a yeah. cliff, let's say, then you're going to get nowhere on the academic side of things. Anyway. And I was just about to say that as well, like regardless yeah. whether it's in normal circumstances or not, um, if the well-being isn't there, the learning's not going to take place anyway. So At the very least, online during this period, if you've got your well-being in check and you're okay with that, you can achieve something as opposed to your well-being plummeting and then really achieving nothing on the other end. Uh, but I guess uh, just an, an open-ended question um, to anyone who'd like to take it. Uh, do you guys think that the, the same educational outcomes, effectively the same, can be achieved during this period as it would be uh, at school and during a regular non-lockdown period? I'll jump in. I'll have a bit of a go. Um, I think it's going to be different, obviously, because you, not one household is going to be the same. You don't know what's going on, what type of, you know, how are the students engaging? And like you said about mental health, um, you know, just to go a, a bit about my role, what I'm doing at the moment is um, just to give the viewers a bit of an introduction, which I, I should have done from the beginning. But I'm running, I'm a tutor in the COVID intensive learning support program. So what happened was the government realised that during the last lockdown, there was a whole bunch of students who came from underprivileged households or Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander or have difficult circumstances. And they actually missed out completely on the online learning last time. So they did nothing at all. Um, they have been identified and the government actually funded around, I think around $200,000 per government high school to get tutors in and run an intensive uh, support program. Um, what's happened now this year is those students have now again moved online because of the lockdown. Mm -hmm. So our role as tutors now haven't, hasn't been so much as to tutor them online, but to check on their mental, um, your mental health and see how they're going. So I actually make daily phone calls to my group of students from year seven to 10, just to sort of touch base on them and check on them to see how they're going mentally. Um, but what I found a lot of the time is because I'm making phone calls home, 
often the parents pick up or a guardian picks up and I'm actually having to spend half an hour just listening to them and their complaints and, you know, the frustrations that they're facing. And they actually tell me that their children have sort of lost self-esteem because of the last lockdown and they just don't have any motivation at all. And a lot of the sort of the year 10, 11, 12 students at the particular school have opted to find work now instead. So they're working at, you know, McDonald's or KFC and so forth because a lot of their friends are working there as well. So they actually would prefer to have that human interaction and see people rather than be locked up in a room and have, you know, deadlines and all these tasks to complete and so forth. So, yeah, um, I've seen that shift as well for the, you know, mental um, well-being of, you know, not only the students but of the parents as well. So, Shahad, I guess you really are the outlier in preferring the online model. It seems that uh, not many are a fan. But as Aisha mentioned, she was speaking about um, social life or lack thereof. Um, I've turned into a hermit with online school. I've literally <laughs> turned into a hermit. I'm in my room locked up from 10 a.m., my first class, to my last class at 6 p.m. My breaks, because I have no social life, so I might as well spend studying. And I feel like that's the case with most E12s. You know, you don't have time for a social life, so might as well keep studying and um, revising. And so, yeah, it's really demotivating. And we risk burning out because we're spending the whole entire time cooped up in our desk, in our room. So um, as much as I do like online learning, I like the experience and um, the learning styles, but I really don't like the social or unsocial aspect of it. Like I truly understand why it's called distance learning because you do end up distancing yourself. It can be a very, very isolating experience if you don't have um, the correct support. And as Aisha was mentioning, I'm glad that there is um, a program or tutoring um, centre being held for people who don't have access to uh, devices or an internet connection. Or Can I use this opportunity to just share something that a... <laughs> Uh, apparently, it. by the way, sharing your screen stuffs it up and people can't see it. So just FYI. No, no, no. What I was going to say was um, one of our viewers, out of respect to the viewers, has actually shared something here. Um, and I wanted to just pass that on to everyone. Um, so there's a couple of nice quotes that uh, we've got in the comments. Um, no significant learning occurs without a significant relationship. So that's from the Yale Child Study Center, some Dr. James Comer. And there's another very similar kind of quote here. It's more of a it's more of a graph, but it's talking about how if you look at therapy in general, it's got a little pie chart, and then it's got how 15% is about your technique in therapy, 15% is hope, 30% is your family and school, and 40% is relationship. So if you sort of apply that in an educational context, it's kind of saying that, you know, if you have a strong support base and, and you have strong relationships, even with your that teacher-student relationship, that's effectively 40% of the job done, you know, in situations where, and I think, like I said, it's a beautiful little theme emerging from this that you, you sometimes need, it, it's part of the success of the system to let the academic milestones just take a back seat for a little bit because mental well-being is, is always supposed to be the number one priority. But um, so let just, me just, sorry, jump in there. I like what's being suggested here, but I think online so severely compromises the integrity and nature of that relationship. It's just not the same. Like, yeah. um, you know, when we were at university and you'd have sort of lectures, tutorials, whatever, delivered online, your material thrown at you online. And when you're a university student, you're mature and able to cope with that, right? So you can take what you need and you can get it done. But school students are very different. Like you need that in-person, in-the-classroom, face-to-face kind of relationship. And I think online really just severs that almost entirely. Um, and I think that's a necessary reason why some of the quality has to be sacrificed. Yeah. That's um, right. Yep. Yeah, sorry, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, like you were saying, like in classrooms, we have differentiated learning uh, especially in primary schools. So um, it's really difficult to try and maintain that when you're online. Um, unless, like you said, you have a good, you know, group of support teachers who, you know, it's well-organized and able to get to their students. But still at that stage, you're still, it's hard to deliver the one curriculum um, for everybody. And how would you differentiate that? Um, you know, perhaps that's why a dedicated teacher, someone who truly cares for their students, is someone who's going to think about these kinds of issues because they're aware. And perhaps that's what, you know, our Mr. Baker who commented 
Um, that's partly maybe why he's up late at night trying to make sure that he's delivering the best he can for his students. Yeah. But I guess it's a, it's a tough job. Yeah, of course. And I think that's, you know, that's an important point. Yes, uh, you know, as a teacher, you, you know, we know what quality teaching is. So, yes, you talk about differentiated learning. You want to make sure you're differentiating for those students in your class that, that you know need that support, um, not only supporting those students that, you know, require some assistance, but even trying to extend the, those high achievers as well. That is the challenge. And, and I guess after that first lockdown, uh, you know, you come to realise that, look, we're not going to replicate what happens in the classroom, especially from a primary perspective. I think, you know, at, at Shahad's level, you know, she can, she can read and, and she can learn herself. Um, you know, she can she can read, understand what she's reading, and, and take something. I feel like away most from of her learning is pretty much done. Just judging from a purely expression and articulation point of view, <laughs> that's right. Is that an extent, but you, like independence, it's a crucial skill to have. Like even if we were face to face, most of the HSE, um, like the way that it's taught, it is based around um, independent work. But of still. Yeah, sorry. So can I just yeah, jump no, in there and at say the that primary? That's exactly what I'm saying. Like at primary, they're not they're I'm not at that in. stage yet, and that's what we're trying to sort of push out. Go, you yep. can barge in now, Hansa. All right, thanks for allowing that. Um, Shahad, you're right. A lot of it is modelled on independence, but uh, let me hazard a guess here. But um, many Year Twelve students are not as independent as they should be. They're still very, very reliant on teachers, materials, resources, explanations, all that kind of thing. And um, I think that's part of the reason why there's uh, such a, a feeling of chaos amongst them, because it's not like we can just deliver the content to them online and say, go ahead and do your thing. Um, ideally, that would be great, but it's not. They but need even those who support. are independent or for those who um, can just get straight to work, have a consistent study routine, when you're reliving the same exact day, day in and day out, it, it's mentally exhausting. Yeah, so. certainly, certainly. Um, but I'm just saying that I think Year 12 students need it as well. Maybe obviously not to the extent um, that primary school students do, but I think Year 12 students still do. In fact, um, there were discussions about the HSC um, amongst the education department about how if they were to allow uh, students to return to classrooms in regional areas who aren't experiencing lockdown, then that would give them an unfair advantage over students in locked down local government areas because those students wouldn't have access to their teachers. And so then there was this whole issue of, okay, how are we going to make sure that the HSC is then equitable? If some have been given access to teachers and schools and everything else in that environment, but others haven't. So I think, you know, we have to realise that the environment's critical there as well. Yeah, one thing also I noticed, um, and this is sort of a little bit off topic, but still related, you know, education wise, which is a conversation for another day. But I remember I was working at an independent school um, a while ago, and they decided to shift NAPLAN uh, online. So, but that particular school hadn't really trained students into technology. A lot of the students hadn't used computers at all, like the primary school students. And then all of a sudden they were just have to jump online and um, learn how to use a keyboard and type in and so forth. And I know that they struggled a lot, but then having worked at another independent school and I noticed that since kindergarten, they had smart boards in the classroom and all the students knew how to use an iPad and where to get it and log in. So even within the education system, initially there, there's been flaws. Um, but I don't want to go too much into that, but I'm just saying that um, there's a lot of differences with how education is delivered, generally speaking, whichever school you go to. And I feel like sometimes the sort of the private independent schools, especially towards online learning, are really sort of strict and forcing sort of attendance and submission of assessments and so forth, because I feel that they need to justify to a lot of the parents yeah. about the fees that they that they're paying. Um, whereas when you get to sort of government schools, it's a bit more relaxed because you know they're they're looking more at the. I feel I feel like they're looking more after the well being of the student. Um, whereas private schools, I feel, are just you know overworking teachers perhaps, and you know giving a lot of lessons and a lot of students and parents are getting stressed because they feel that they have to um, complete this work because of the fees that they're paying. Yeah, I think, I think that, can that I means, jump in? Yes, because um, I think that's an important point that goes back to that gentleman's comment as well. Like sometimes as teachers, um, you're sort of 
also thinking about or concerned about what the parents think. So especially that first lockdown, um, you're sort of thinking about, oh, we've got to provide students with this, with that. We've got to make sure they've got, you know, this much learning to do a day. Um, and then what that does is, and you don't sort of, it's not intentional and you don't, you sort of think as the teacher, you're trying to do the right thing by the student and the parent is that it does, it puts a lot of pressure on the on the parent where suddenly they've got so much, um, so much learning to get through that they struggle with it. Whereas once, you know, once we hear the, the the parent voices um we know that you know what like they, they don't want work all day they just want something realistic achievable something that they can support their children with um and not not be flood, flooded with the uh, with lots of work that they're not going to be able to achieve and then feel like a failure as a parent and then feel like they've let down their child as well i think that's a really good, good opportunity to take in another comment that we've got on the facebook page uh, where it's been mentioned, the main challenge my children have been facing is work quantity. They've observed that there's less content or quantity they work through when face-to-face. -face. However, this isn't the case online, and they find they're spending more time doing schoolwork. So one common concern that seems to be coming through is the extent of work. Now, I want to try and sort of look at the various mindsets here. You've got the student who's been allocated sort of, let's say, an extensive workload. Let's just assume it's extensive, Right. And we can ask why. And then you've got parents seeing that child in front of their screen for hours at a time trying to complete this work. But that's been allocated to them by a teacher who is answerable to their school. And they need to tell the school or justify to the school, yep, I'm doing ABC, I'm doing this with my students, I'm running this lesson, I'm doing this activity and whatever else. Because the teacher themselves doesn't want to be in a position where they're being interrogated. What are you doing for your classes? Where's your work? And perhaps, Abdul, maybe... Uh, maybe you can shed some light on that because schools want to know what their teachers are doing. And so sometimes teachers may give work to demonstrate that they are actually doing some kind of teaching and that might result then in extensive workloads for students. Yeah, I think yeah, that's probably, you know, a follow-up from what I was just saying. I think, yeah, teachers, you know, especially that first lockdown, when I, I'm sort of speaking about the second lockdown because um, it's it's something we've experienced and um, now knowing what we experienced that first time, um, yeah, I know schools that have definitely taken that into consideration. It's like, no, we know it's too much for our, for our parents. Um, we, you know, we sort of spread out the day. Um, we, we look at advice that's provided to us and go, okay, I get it. Where students are normally at school for six hours a day, but it's not six hours of learning. You've got your recess, lunch, we have assemblies, um, interruptions. Um, so it's looking at, you know, I providing... think also a lot of the, um, the weight of the pressure of the learning um, is, is channeled through the fact that they're there with their mates, like they're there with their friends yeah. and they're learning in a really nice and warm environment. Now it's just them and their computer screens. Um, mm. So I think, I think, I suppose at every level, but I suppose mainly managers and then the teachers need to sort of be conscious at all times um, that that all of these other factors in real life and real learning, in uh, like physical learning, come to sort of um, balance it out a little bit and make it easy. So it's it's not a case of like 100% mirroring what was happening. Um, and I think, Abdul, to be honest, you seem to, and your institution seems to have learned quite well but I don't think everyone's on board with that in that sense where um, we've had, it's not like lockdown is new. We had it previously. Surely we learned some lessons from round one. I think everyone needs to sort of really get on board that learning from round one um, of, 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 of lockdown. And I think you, you meant what, what you just said a second ago was important, like as in the whole routines or whatever. And that's, you know, when, when we sort of look at planning for this, um, learning from home it is in the back of our mind it's like okay we know parents are working we know you know parents aren't teachers so it's sort of setting up work where it may be just revisiting work they've already had uh, they've already learned in the classroom um, it's providing the parents with a bit of a routine like a bit of a timetable where it says you know get up every morning at the same time um, breakfast at the same time 
first part of the day, you know, a, a, you know, a morning routine or a, a 20 minute lesson, then a bit of a break. Maybe you can have assembly activity. at home with the family, Sorry? make them line up. Assembly line at up. home with the family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Has that been goal for you? <laughs> yeah, so it's, you know, it's trying to support the parents as much as we can um, and showing parents that we understand we don't expect, um, you know, a lot of a lot of work for, from your end. Um, look after yourselves, look after your children. Um, here's some work that you can be doing with your kids. But it's not, you know, if you don't, if you don't submit it, it's not like that's going to, you know, impact your child negatively, you know, come school time when they return. It's, you know, it's a unique situation that we're in and, you know, it's, it's just a, it's, yeah, it's a tough one. And, you know, the leaders and, and management hopefully understand this and know that, you know what, we're in a, in a tough situation and we all just need to support each other and and everyone needs to do their best and you know from my involvement around schools and people I know um I believe you know schools teachers they're doing an amazing job and and you know working as hard as they can to support families and students with their learning from home yeah I think Sorry, go on. I was going to mention, yeah, I agree on that. I agree on that point, and also, Brother Sufiani mentioned about balance. Um, I think that I found that it doesn't really get communicated as much to parents and students about that. Um, and obviously, because you know, teachers have limited time where they have to deliver lessons, and they don't really get that chance to speak to students. But from what I've experienced, and firstly, the first lockdown I experienced with my own children, um, I was actually going crazy the first couple of weeks, trying to get everything done and trying to be, you know, super mom and teacher and so forth. And I just had to stop at some point, and I said, something has to give. And yes. then I and, and I had a look at the amount of work my kids had to do. It wasn't a lot, but it was a lot for me. And I just decided to pick and choose what I wanted to get them to do because it was impacting on them, impacting on me. And we had a lot of different things that was going on in the house and, you know, so many distractions that are on there as well. So, you know, I gave my kids options about what they wanted to do. And even this time around when I'm speaking to students, high school students and parents, I, I tell them the exact same thing. You know, don't overburden yourself. You're not teachers. It's okay. Um, you know, give your give your children the option. You know, give them options. Try to get them into a routine. Um, have a look at what they want to do. Don't you know? Don't force them. And it's okay if they don't catch up or if they don't stick to a routine. Just you know, we have to just try and do the best that we can until we return face to face. Yeah, I, I think maybe some leniency across the board is warranted in that regard. I know other, other parents who are also teachers as well um, who did the very same thing. They said, look, for my child, they've got to do a bit of literacy, a bit of numeracy every day, and if they're hitting a few of those, then I'm happy. Um, but, yeah, sometimes... Are you going to say something? Yeah, sorry, go ahead, Chad. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know how you were mentioning um, picking and choosing because, you know, the workload is so extensive. But when it comes to us, our work is and the submissions that we have to... Um, submit by the end of the day, it marks our attendance. So we could easily just say, oh, well, I'll be away today and tomorrow and the next day, and eventually you're away for the whole term. So, um, yeah, just kind of like I want the teachers to answer the burning question, why are you guys giving so much work or where is this work, extra work coming from? As you mentioned, like it's kind of the school. They're saying, okay, we'll measure the teacher's performance based on, you know, the work that they do. Yeah, Abdul, why are teachers (laughs) giving so much work? Thanks for the question. I just want to say thank you for the question, Zara, and then we'll move on to the actual answer to that question as well. Does anyone want to specifically answer that question? Yeah, you feel like you've got a real bone to pick. Like you really want to get at someone. It's not her. Yeah, she's, it's, channeling, yeah, it's... she's channeling the thoughts of others behind her. Your whole year 12 cohort has just fallen on us. They want me to cancel the trials for them. They're telling me, you know, you're our only hope. Please cancel the trials for us. Yes, the Convo podcast would like to recommend to Nessa that all trials are cancelled. I wish. Look, it was, I think at this point, I'd like everyone to just take a break and just stretch and we'll come back. Now, on a serious note, um, we've got a comment here from one of the the contributors to our podcast. Um, She's not really, but I'm hoping after that comment she will be. It's the first time I'm seeing a comment. But um, it says here, I'd like to touch base. I like, so I'm, I'm guessing she's a teacher. I like to touch base with parents via Zoom and give them the opportunity to let off some steam. That's fantastic. 
you know, and I know it's difficult, obviously, for teachers because you already have to try and uh, touch base. It makes it sound like it's so easy, but you have to touch base with your 30 kids and then with your senior management and touch base with your programs and, and everything else. But if we can actually try, you know, because everyone's trying here to put others before them. That's essentially what it is, right? You know, try and put the other person before you to, to, as, much an, to as much an extent as possible without compromising your own mental well-being. But, yeah, allowing parents an opportunity to, to let off some steam um, is a fantastic strategy, I think, that uh, we can all implement. I think that's what um, Sister Aisha was mentioning, that she calls the students but ends yeah. up listening to the parents because they've yes. got some very valid and real grievances as well. Absolutely. In fact, I know a teacher who was recently doing um, his uh, parent-teacher interviews uh, over the phone, and he shared uh, his experience, and he said that just starting off the conversation with that parent by saying thank you for everything that you're doing and we recognize that it's an extremely difficult time for you worked wonders like just a single sentence of gratitude to parents worked wonders in making a constructive conversation i would also just add to that i know we're the hosts here we should probably give you guys a bit of an opportunity i know right we're doing a bit too much (laughs) just on that because i've got a final thought on that a fantastic idea along those lines would be to just make a little um, you know, we make Zoom videos all the time for students, but if you make a Zoom video, uh, like just a video and just upload it for parents as well to just watch a video um, acknowledging their efforts, you know, I'm kind of just channeling what Hamza said, but, you know, like like in that same format, like just put a video out there, say, and tell the kids, I want you to je- get off the chair, put your mom, put your dad on that seat. Instead, just get them to watch this. A nice little five minute, we appreciate everything you're doing you know, and okay, off you go. Now it's time for your son. Uh, Mum, dad are working already. They're in their work meetings on Zoom. They don't have time to sit and watch a video. Abdul's just going to send a newsletter. That's all he's going to do. <laughs> now, look, I'm, you know, like, look, I can talk, you know, you can jump on Facebooks on, on pu- public schools. I'm coming from a public school perspective because, uh, I'm, you know, some of the things I'm hearing is that it might be a private school thing where, there's a lot, quite a lot of pressure, but I look at public schools and, and, you know, you can just jump on Facebook public school pages and, um, you know, schools are inundated with, you know, really positive things from parents saying, thank you so much for, for everything you're doing during these lockdown periods. And likewise, the key message to parents is that, you know, we appreciate and understand how challenging these times are. And we thank you for everything you're doing for your kids. So I think, you know. I was um, wondering when that plug would come for the DET because it's been yeah, 54 just, minutes and so you I haven't said I, anything. I think it might be a public school thing. So, you know. <laughs> Just casually tried to plug in. We're, we're ahead. We're ahead. <laughs> well done. Congratulations, Abdul. Good job. <laughs> what raise are you looking for? <laughs> I must say, actually, as well, with my experience working with an independent school and a, a government school, I have seen a lot of quite a big difference. And working in in um, the COVID intensive program, they have really uh, realized again, like everybody's been saying, the mistakes that were made or their learning experiences from the first lockdown. And because of that, they've put new measures into place. And the big focus for me has been about the mental well-being of the students and actually when I do speak to a lot of the students when I'm on the phone with them or I get them on you know we use Microsoft Teams to do our little class calls almost I think 99% of them tell me that they haven't actually in about you know I don't know how long spoken to anybody so even the teachers because the teachers don't get a chance to get around to call you know every 30 students or whatever and sometimes they're teaching you know multiple years so they don't get that chance to do that because they're busy preparing lessons and so forth but then to you know they really appreciate to have a teacher or a tutor get on the phone with them you know once a week even if it's that and just to check on them to see how they're going um, and have that face-to-face interaction and they've all expressed like how much they appreciate that yeah yeah I think that's important like you know that's something that I always tell teachers as well you know, you're going to have a much better outcome. Like you, you're going to spend hours trying to put something together that probably the majority or a lot, 
won't access um, instead of using that time like that like take the time to make a phone call um, and it's 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 going to be much better for for you your well-being but also the student and the and the families um, so I think that's a important point that Aisha makes is that you know uh, that's that's really important for a teacher you know to, to understand and identify that you know what I'm better off spending my time Yes, I need to obviously teachers, like let's be real, obviously we have to prepare and plan. But as a teacher, I'm better off spending my time picking up the phone um, and making that call and having that conversation with with a parent rather than trying to, you know, set up multiple lessons, bombard them with emails and Zoom sessions and, you know, cl uh, you know Google Classrooms or whatever it may be that, you know, the platform the school's using. Yeah, and I think this comment was, I can't remember who mentioned it before about building the relationship because what you do now, obviously, you know, eventually, yeah, Brother Sufiana, eventually when we go back to online, uh, you know, online learning finishes and go back to face-to-face, -face, they'll remember that interaction that they had with you. They'll remember that relationship and that care and compassion and love that you showed. Um, and that will actually flow through to the face-to-face -face learning. Um, I feel well, we've got um, a comment from uh, a Rami Zahra, um, Abdul, you might know him. Um, I would have hoped the relationship has been built between teacher and student, given that the lockdown occurred in June. Do you think that's enough time? Like, is it okay to just think, okay, well, it's been a while now. Relationships should have been built by now. Is it that easy or is there more to it? I'm just I'm assuming is that that's probably with re maybe regarding a comment maybe Aisha made with building the relationship or maybe something just generally said. relationships between of students course and of course by by then relationships um, would be built no doubt but from a primary perspective you still need to sort of have that um, you know touching base uh, and and contacting parents and contacting students I mean you look a, a lot of a lot of Whenever, and I'm, I'm speaking from my point of view, whenever I know teachers jump online um, or have discussions with students, the thing that students miss the most is seeing their teacher, is seeing their friends. So this is why I was sort of saying earlier that, uh, you know, I'd say there's no need, especially primary school, there's no need for a, trying to teach a live Zoom lesson. Um, pre-record something, but have a live Zoom session where, you know, kids can jump on, see your face, you can see them, they can see each other, um, have that contact. Uh, so that's, you know, that's, I guess, maybe, I'm assuming that's what Rami was talking about, like, hang on, relationships should be built. Um, yeah, they're built, but at a primary level, um, students, kids miss that. Um, and I'm assuming high school as well, and Shahad would be able to, you know, tell me if I'm wrong. But uh, even I, when I was at really, high school... She's just a hermit. She doesn't interact with anyone. Yeah, that's right. But when I was at I high school, that's that why I love. No. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, that's true. Like, having a social life, it's crucial, especially during the HSE. You need to have an outlet where it's, whether it's, like, your hobbies, exercise, or even just seeing your friends... Um, one thing that I have heard um, from one of my friends, she was recommending to have like a, a Zoom library or like a study room. She's like going forward, if we can have just a study room, um, all the students just join in, even like no, no teacher needs to be there or just teacher be, um, stays there to moderate the whole thing. And just the students can sit because sometimes we are motivated if we see other people studying and we can just sit and just have a silent um, study room. So maybe that's one way we could kind of have that socialization. Um, socializing aspect you can do because, it on zoom pardon you can just do that on zoom yeah i think that's but even facetiming your friends feels like zoom sometimes like if i'm face facetiming my friends to socialize I, it still feels like a classroom setting because i'm so used to seeing all my classes and everything lecture style like even class sometimes feels like a youtube video it doesn't like you're still disconnected from it all but yeah so that's one solution going forward we've even like you know just throwing it out there we've even on our on timetables that go out um, or routines or suggestions that go out to parents 
then there's a note in there that says like you know something we highly encourage is that you know get get your child if they've got friends and they if they can get in contact with them like a phone call where they can have a chat about how their learning's going and how things are just yeah. to have that social contact um yeah is important and that's something we've pushed as well yeah um, I, I want to ask you guys real quick. We are hitting the hour mark here, so we're going to try and wrap up soon. Um, so my wife, so my, my kid is um, he's five. He's, this is his first year in kindergarten. What a way to start kindy um, for anyone who started last year and this year. Um, and, um, and, you know, he's got a lot. He goes to a private school, so he's got a lot of um, work. I feel like that's just how private schools are. She's got a lot of work to do, right? I think for that age anyway. Um, and, you know, my wife does sometimes sort of say that, you know, I've got, I've got concerns around the, the, the quantity of work that we've got to do here. And my attitude is kind of like, um, you know, you do your best, but then everything after that is like, just be prepared to have a conversation with whoever pulls you up Um by showcasing the reality, like here I am, like I, I'm spending inordinate amount of time doing all the work, I feel like there needs to be a level of self-assurance, even with parents, right? Like mm. just be assured in yourself. Okay, if you think that your kid's doing enough, don't, don't stress too yeah. much about expectations that have been placed on top of you by people that you might think, you know, don't have a good view of what your day-to-day is like. It's okay because sometimes we have this idea, I'm sending my kid to this school, we're paying fees for this school, we should probably follow the guidelines and rules that the school sets. But I think at the same time, because they don't have insights, you know, Orwellian-grade surveillance of what's going on in our, in our homes, it's okay sometimes to just have that self-assurance that, look, I'm doing my part. And when that conversation happens, if it happens for why X, Y, Z submissions didn't come through today, I'll have, you know, I'll have that conversation then should be okay to, to sort of pass on a couple of submissions on that basis, don't you guys think? I think so. I think it's always, you know, parents should just have that perspective and just do what's best for your family and for your situation and don't stress about it. If you don't get that done, it's okay. It's not the end of the world type thing. And especially with younger children like kindergarten and year one or primary, um, you know, parents should just get them involved in sort of house duties, like you know, even with cleaning or gardening or baking and cooking and just read a book and enjoy that family time. Yes. Well, you have that now. So they'll actually learn a lot from those hands-on and family experiences um, and just do the basic minimum. Like if you just need to, you know, read a book, do a bit of literacy and numeracy throughout the day. And that's fine, you know, because then you won't stress yourself. You won't stress the children. And, and like you said, just have that conversation later on if it arises and just say, this is what works best for my family. We have a comment from someone on Facebook uh, pretty much mirroring the same sentiment. Uh, a conversation needs to occur around this skewed concept of productivity. Output is synonymous with progress. So get something out, submit something, and that's progress. From GDP in the economic sector to workloads in education. Um, yet more is not always better. Family time, connections, well-being, foundational skills, and reflection are also worthy. And I think that's absolutely true, 100%. And the follow-up comment on that, on workload, my daughter just commented in agreement, we don't even have PDH this week yet they've given us work for this week. So we're getting some agreement regarding, you know, taking it easy and just sticking to some of the basics and that's productive in itself and also sometimes uh, experiencing those excessive workloads as well. I think everyone just needs to chill out, relax a bit and realise this is a really tough situation for all involved and everyone needs to cut everyone else some slack. Yeah, I think, um, you know... uh... Thanks for the clap. (laughs) No, I think, look, uh, you, you know, you need to remember that, with, you know, teachers, are, you know, teachers' schools are trying to cater for the, you know, 30 kids in their class, the 600 students in their school. Um, so I think, you know, there needs to be some work set. Um, but I think a key message that, you know, we've, you know, I've been pushing as a leader and I know leaders around me and schools, schools that I, I'm in touch with, I know their key message to, to parents is that this is just some work for you to do. 
don't feel you know don't stress you do your best your child does their best that's you know that's all we can we can sort of ask um and you know we're you know we're sort of lucky as leaders as well um just like Aisha sitting here she's got um children um she's a parent plus she's a teacher um so as a leadership team we sort of you know make sure that we're, we're communicating and engaging with teachers that are parents as well. That way we're sort of taking in, um, you know, grabbing their thoughts on, okay, what... That's like an instant good... line of feedback for you as of well. Of course, that's right, that's right. You know, and, and going back to some, and I don't know if we are wrapping up, but Aisha mentioned earlier about, you know, providing that, you know, bit of advice to some parents of, yes, don't stress sort of thing. Um, I've got a friend... Uh, some of you know edgy he's got lots of kids um it's like uh, you know my neighbor yesterday i was outside and and he was frustrated and talking to me about how there's so much work and he's just struggling with it all and i just said to him look uh, you know i'm not sure i know his kids go to a public school so i do know that it's not enforced sort of thing i said you know there's work there for you to do if you can't do it like you know here are a couple of things that are simple for you to do and it is it's that reading like read to your children yeah. listen to them read um you'd be surprised how important having conversations with your with your children is like forget about sitting there with a paper and a pen read to them discuss what they're reading um i'm talking primary level of course um, having those conversations um, around what's happening, you know, what they're learning, it's it's that that's the most important thing. Um, yeah. I think we've got a, a, couple of, a couple of beautiful conclude, sort of concluding comments. They weren't necessarily intended as concluding comments, but now that I've said that, I suppose they are. Um, <laughs> from, from Aisha about, you know, the skewed concept of learning, like learning can take place outside of the context of our yeah. exercise books. And of course, you know, having that channel, that direct line with people, um, Abdul. Um, Shahad, maybe a final comment from yourself to wrap up tonight's show. Yeah, so as I said before, it really is a joint struggle. We're all in this together. Um, it's easy to say, don't stress, don't worry. But when there is so much pressure put on us as year 12 students to perform well in the HSE, um, yeah, it really is mentally exhausting. But Alhamdulillah, you know, we have to make the most out of it. At least we do have access to a quality um, education. Many people don't even have access to this, so alhamdulillah, we always need to be grateful. I think I think if I can summarise, the, the, the absolute take-home point would be there's about three hours and 29 minutes left for your submissions, kids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you really need to get on with it. Stop watching this show now um, and get on with those submissions. Now, look, um, I wanted to thank everyone. I was really, really, um, really happy to have everyone on board today on this conversation. Um, at the convo, we try and, you know, literally try and mirror to the best of our abilities um, a conversation that takes place in the real world, you know, and obviously we're talking about cutting ourselves some slack because it's not as conversational as the real world might be. But um, we hope you've enjoyed, uh, to our audience, we hope you've enjoyed tonight's uh, discussion as much as we have. We hope you've benefited from it and we hope you can tell, take that sense of self-assurance away um, tonight to just just do your best and have that faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And of course, remember each other in your du'as, remember each other in your, you know, um, well wishes and try and help each other out wherever we can. Um, we, might, we might leave it there. Hamza, uh, before we do, if Abdul can shamelessly plug the Department of Education, then I can absolutely shamelessly plug the Convo podcast. Um, we do have this podcast every fortnight, 7.30pm. So if you enjoyed uh, this particular episode, first of all, step one is to go back and watch the entire backlog of our previous 19 episodes. Um, and then, inshallah, your homework is to watch the next. Um, but please do, if you enjoyed this, drop our Facebook page a like um, so you can get notified of upcoming episodes and things, inshallah. We do try to address issues that are relevant and that people are uh, thinking and feeling. So please do join us for the next one as well, inshallah. Um, that's it from me. Jazakallah khair once again. Uh, to our guests, we might ask you guys to hold off from quickly jumping off this meeting uh, as we wrap up. Um, but Jazakallah khair, thank you very much for your contributions. They've been enormously valued, and I'm sure everyone here has learned a lot alongside our audiences at home. Thank you. Thank you.